I'd like to welcome my friend Frank Allnut to this audio podcast. And Frank, you're living in Colorado these days? Uh, yes, I am. Uh, my brother Dan and I retired about 11 years ago. We were living in Denver. And uh, we moved to Salida, Colorado, which is down in the uh, this, the, uh, the the lower central part of Colorado, deep in the Rocky Mountains. And just enjoy living close to family and being out here in the middle of the mountains. It means a lot to us. I remember seeing a photo on your website about the mountains. It looks like a beautiful uh, area that you're blessed to live in, brother. Uh, but I don't think you started out there, did you? Would you tell us a bit about your thumbnail sketch of your life journey in terms of your upbringing and adult life? Well, I think it goes back to when I was born. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. There are a lot of things that uh, the Lord did in my life that I weren't aware of, and I think many, many years later, I, I'm beginning to have a glimpse of that. But I was born into uh, a very poor family uh, with a family of 12 children. And uh, my mother and my oldest uncle were very, very devout Christians, as was my grandmother. And uh, my oldest uncle, uh, F. Gwen Cook, um, went to seminary. Uh, How he afforded that, I'll never know. Uh, But he went to seminary and was an ordained pastor. And he pastored a little church in a, a farming town, a small farming town in central Illinois for many, many, many years. But um, interesting, he was in a uh, kind of a liberal denomination, but he was very conservative. (laughs) Yeah. But at that time, and I go to hear him, and the first time I heard him preach, I think I was only five years old, and uh, he was preaching in a tent, and we had folding chairs, and uh, the uh, communion time came around, and my aunt, uh, his wife, uh, would not let me have uh, the bread and the wine because I hadn't been baptized yet. So I thought, uh, i got to find out why <laughs> someday. Mm. <laughs> but I think I, I grew up, I was very active in church um, uh, in my, in my uh, first 12 years of schooling. And um, they went to church every Sunday. But to me, church was more the time to to be with my friends. And when I got serious about religion, I considered that to be uh, just uh, just what you believe and how you believe. And that's how you identify as a Christian. I guess Mm -hmm. to a certain degree we do. But it's very interesting how... What what Paul had had to say, he really talked about that it's not just the outward appearance, man. It's not just our fleshly life, but it's our spiritual life. Mm-hmm. And I really never began to look outside the worldly or fleshly life until um, I was um, I was in college at the University of Denver. Um, it was a lonely time for me. I have been a very, very active person all my life. Um, um, I was in the Navy, and and uh, I was a diver. And uh, so I spent all of my off-duty hours uh, working out with swimmers and divers at two local high schools. And um, 
because I was single, on Sundays, I had the duty with the Navy, and I had to be in our what we call the survival shack. That's where we had uh, survival equipment and oxygen for our, our pilots and, and crews. So I never had an opportunity to go to church. So the whole time I was in the Navy, I never attended church. And right after I got out of the Navy, I went to University of Denver, and it, and it, soon after I enrolled, I received a music grant, and uh, part of that was to sing in a, the chapel choir every Sunday morning. Um, and, but uh, we had more people in our choir than than there was audience out there. <laughs> the, um. the the pastors were were pretty liberal, and I couldn't hear anyway, so I don't remember anything about church when I was in college. Um, but I I started you know, and after college uh, I went to work for for Walt Disney and, um, and became his public relations manager and um, but I I wasn't as busy as I used to be in the Navy and in college uh, I worked my 40 hours a week well actually a little bit more than that uh, but my evenings and my weekends. I'd go to movies on the weekends, and, and I'd watch TV at night. I was getting very lonely. And then one day, um, I was asked to uh, take a group of uh, children uh, out to the back lot where uh, Dick Van Dyke was uh, shooting uh, some film back there for a new movie we were making. So I took the kids back there, and in his conversation with them, it came out that he was uh, a Christian and a member of Baylor Presbyterian Church. And I thought, well, that's kind of interesting. And um, uh, I thought, well, maybe I ought to start going to church again. So I went to Bel Air, and um, I sat down in the back, which was a mistake because I couldn't hear that well. But I, I did catch it that... Um, um, it, there was a, um, a, um, a, a singles group and, um, and he kind of gave a pitch for the singles group and then he launched into his sermon and the name of it was, uh, Escape from Loneliness. And I thought, well, this mm. really sounds interesting. <laughs> yeah. So it was going to be that Sunday night and at starting. And so, wow, that was great. So I thought, I'll come back tonight in a singles group. And um, so maybe I'll make some friends there. And so I came back, and uh, I was a little bit late and uh, and in a rush. And as I came in, I didn't even know where the room was. So there was a man standing in the hallway, and he said something which I couldn't understand. But I nodded my head, yes. I thought he was asking me about the singles group. So he opened the door, and I walked into this room. It's a huge room. There were probably close to 200 people in it, and they were not singles. <laughs> they were <laughs> all ages. And I looked around for a seat. The, 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 nobody was at the podium yet, fortunately. I looked around for a seat, and I spotted one far across the room in the front row. So I walked across the room in front of all of those people who had been patiently waiting for the pastor. <laughs> I sat down and and uh, and he came in, and he said, "Well, I want to welcome all of you to the first session of our new membership class." <laughs> ah. And I thought, "This is not a single class. This is for new members." 
and he spoke for a while, and then we split up into small groups of about eight people. And we sat in a circle, and we were all in separate rooms and so forth. Big, big church. Bella Presbyterian. And uh, the people there, they were all sharing their testimonies. And uh, I thought, oh, my gosh, what, what am I going to do? I don't have a testimony. And uh, I can't remember everything I said. But I was so impressed by hearing all their testimonies. I thought, you know, I think I'll go to this eight-week new members class, and then I'll go to the singles class. I was so <laughs> impressed by their Christian testimonies and how they talked about it freely. They weren't embarrassed or anything, and they just spoke in normal terms. They didn't sound preachy or anything like that. So that was really quite an experience. Well, the day came for me to, um, after the new membership classes ceased, um, then I was going to go to the singles uh, group class on Sunday nights. So um, I started going to the singles class, and uh, on about the third night, um, Don Moomaw was, or the third week, I should say, uh, Don Moomaw, the pastor, the title of his sermon uh, uh, that morning was On Faith. And he started talking about faith, and and uh, I've always been a I, I, I want to see proof. I I didn't I didn't automatically believe everything people told me or everything I I, I read. Uh, I wanted to seek out the truth and and uh, and how is that going to how can I relate that to my life? Um, but anyway, that morning uh, he talked on faith and. As he got into it, uh, the message came across very clear to me, um, and he defined what faith is. And all the time, I've been looking for for positive proof about uh, many of the things uh, I read in the uh, was reading in the Bible, the virgin birth and and the resurrection of Christ. And these things were all new to me. I'd never really gotten into the Bible before. But he, the more we talked about faith, and he says, hey, this is God's word. Uh, accept the truth of his word by faith. You don't have to prove it. Just believe it to be the truth. And I got so, and he's, he's, he went on, and the Holy Spirit is going to illuminate these truths for me so I can come to an adequate um, degree of understanding and I got so excited, my hands were shaking. My whole body was. Mm. I was sitting in a pew, and I thought, oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh, I've been missing out on something for a lot of years. So wow. after, after church, I went to see the pastor, Don Mumal, and and I said, and I told him what happened. And, and his reply was very simple. He said, Frank, you just got zapped by the Holy Spirit. <laughs> <laughs> Amen. So, at any rate, I kept going, and the very next week, when I went to the singles class, I met the young woman who would later become my wife and and the mother of my three children. Uh, but all of a sudden, uh, not all of a sudden, but uh, I was in the Bible all the time. I wanted, I was at church. I was doing everything I could. I was like a sponge, just soaking it up, and. Um, it, it just my life was changing immediately 
But I, mm-hmm. I have to tell you something. I just said, I just feel it is your spirit, God, calling me to you. And I, I believe in you, and I just can't get enough of the truth out of the Bible. And I was so excited about it. Well, my family and I moved to uh, Mission Viejo. I um, had spent, I was down there uh, for my last year with Disney, um, working with a team of people to uh, plan the grand opening of Walt Disney World. So I spent a whole year doing that. And we moved to a, a new town in southern Orange County called Mission Viejo. And uh, we watched our house being built, and we moved in. And a few weeks after we moved in, a new family moved in next door to us. And uh, his name um, was uh, Jim Fulkers, and he was um, a graduate of Dallas seminary and had been sent to Mission Viejo to start up a new church and uh, I <laughs> I was in his house so many hours all the time and uh, discussing the Bible with him and the Christian life and these things and so we got the church built and I was voted to be the chairman of the deacon board and then we added an extension um, but after a while, I started thinking, you know, if there's more here. In in, in 2 Corinthians 5, uh, 17, where Paul talks about uh, if any man is in Christ, he's a new creature. And and in that, uh, and, and there and, and th- throughout his writings, he talked about um, there's the fleshly man or natural man, then there's the spiritual man in Christ. And I mm-hmm. thought... I don't know anything about this spiritual man in Christ. <laughs> and so uh, that is where my, my studies took me, along with, with prophecy. Uh, but uh, we were so happy in Mission Viejo and um, had made so many families, and, and I enjoyed family life so much. And uh, then I was... Um, uh, being looked at to become the director of entertainment at Walt Disney World in Florida, and I thought, no, 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 this is this is my new home, and I have a church home now, and I'm I'm had re I was about to um, uh, think about uh, leaving Disney and going back and start up my my consulting agency again, public relations, and so I did. I resigned from Disney. And uh, then I ended up going to work for, uh, I closed down my agency and went to work for one of my clients, and it was a cattle company. Uh, And they were owned by um, ranching families in three states. They had seven feedlots. And the president of the company and his secretary were the only two in the management company, and they were both very devout Christians. And it was through the secretary that I was introduced to a man at Campus Crusade. He was looking for someone to help Bill Bright uh, write a book. Bill Bright, of course, was the founder and president of Campus Crusade at the time. And I had just published a book on Bible prophecy. So anyway, I went to see Bill, and he asked me to write a book with him. And uh, so I started doing the book. Then he asked me to help him start up a publishing company, consolidates all the different people into one group. And so we did that, and I came up with the name, Here's Life Publishers. 
And uh, so I was the general manager and the editor-in-chief. And, um, and I learned so much from Bill directly. And you get close to a person when you write their books. Mm-hmm. And and uh, I made many other friends there. And uh, but our, our church life wasn't the way it had been when we lived in in Mission Viejo. Uh, we moved up to Lake Arrowhead. I missed the mountains, and we had some small groups up there, and that meant more to me than really going to to church. We really got to know each other, and we had questions to ask, and we shared and prayed. It was just really wonderful. Mm-hmm. But all of this time, I thought. Um, I I was um uh well let me jump ahead a little bit. Um uh my marriage ended. Uh I didn't want it to, but it ended and my kids were scattered. My oldest son was in the navy. My youngest son had run away from home and my daughter was just 7 years old. And um when news of a divorce uh came around um I used to have publishers flying to Denver to talk to me about new books and things. <laughs> and, mm. But after the word of my divorce went around, uh, I would write letters and not get answers. I would make phone calls and, well, he'll have to call you back, and I never heard back. And I was really hurt by that. Um, so, but I thought, well, okay, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to continue my Bible studies and I'm going to continue, uh, writing and see what happens. Um, uh, before that, I had written a, a, a number of books, uh, two altogether with Bill Bright. And, um, uh, I wrote, um, uh, uh, co-authored books with, um, with, with three gentlemen. Um, uh, at World War II uh, fighter pilot ace named John Galvin and started working on another book with Governor Joe Foss, who was a Medal of Honor winner. He was a fighter pilot also in World War II, two-term governor of South Dakota, and and a great guy. He took me fishing with him. He's a real outdoorsman. He'd had uh, outdoors kind of uh, movie serials uh, on uh, series on on television. Never finished the book because uh, it turned out his wife wanted something much much greater than we had originally agreed to. She wanted a a thick book like the oh autobiographies of, of uh, MacArthur and people such as that. So. So mm-hmm. I said, that's not the kind of writing I do. I want to write his Christian testimony, and that's it. So anyway, I I left there. and uh, But I did have time. I, when I went to ELM, and this was interesting, too, I was at a, a church's men's breakfast, a weekly breakfast, and sat across from a man who um, was just starting up a new investment business. And... Uh, but he wanted it to have a Christian um, context, and uh, he knew that had heard that I was an author and so forth. So I ended up writing a newsletter for him and working for him. And in the same building was an organization called Exchange Life Ministries, whatever that mm. meant. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, so I was introduced to Leela Favor. And now, what, Lee what year was what year was yes. that, Frank? When you were in the uh, building in Denver and heard about Exchange Life Ministries Colorado. Mid 1980s. I can t- I can tell you exactly. It was 1993. Oh. And and uh, so anyway, Lee wanted me to come in and 
and helping with some public relations and some writing and so forth. And uh, and then after a few months, we started up, um, uh, or, or I became the uh, director of Cross Life Publishers. And uh, through a grant, we were able to buy a lot of TV equipment. And so I started videotaping his conferences. And and whenever we had uh, guest speakers, any kind of uh, um, ELM uh, annual meetings and things like this, I, I videotaped all of those speakers and had a wonderful time doing it. And mm. I helped... I helped Lee write uh, some booklets, and and uh, and I continued my writing. Uh, then I started uh, being the editor of a Cross Life newsletter, and I inserted some things there that uh, were kind of new to Exchange Life Ministries. Um, first of all, I, I want to say right here that um, the Exchange Life came across more as um I, I didn't understand it to begin with. I went to the to the conference and and uh, I, I, I later got involved with with uh, publishing the um, uh, the conference notebooks and so forth. And it, but there was a um, a story in the newspapers about a man um, who needed a heart transplant, and uh, his daughter uh, was killed in a car accident. And he actually received his daughter's heart, and I thought, boy, that that, that kind of rings a bell because I've been reading uh, in Ezekiel uh, thirty-six, twenty-six, and twenty-seven, where God promised to give His chosen ones a, a new heart, and I thought, you know, maybe that's what it's like. It's like a a spiritual heart transplant. So I started studying and writing about the Christian's new heart. And uh, I did this at some of our ELM annual meetings, and we had uh, we had training um, um, uh, programs for pastors and others who who wanted to to learn more, and some of them to teach about the exchange life. And I even had an opportunity to have a couple classes with them and talk about the heart. And uh, I had uh, drawn some new illustrations showing the. Um, um, the figure of a man with a heart in his torso area showing his uh, fleshly self and also his spiritual new heart. And so this we were getting some interest out of that. Um, but then uh, things uh, weren't working out well for Cross Life because um, uh, we just weren't selling enough books to keep me on staff. So that was in 19 or 2003, and so I just decided, and my brother too, hey, let's just retire, and let's move to Salida, close to my daughter Laura and her family. So we did that, and but I didn't know how I was going to make a living. You know, being in Christian work, you don't have a whole lot of um, worldly benefits like mm-hmm. <laughs> retirement yeah. programs and pensions and and insurance. So uh, we were just living hand to mouth and went down. And uh, fortunately, I was at the age where um, I, I could could I was eligible for Social Security. Then Dan got a job uh, right away in town. 
and uh, we we found a place to live right off the bat. He went there and was driving uh, down one street and saw a woman putting up a for sale sign. He stopped the car, got out one end, and uh, rented the house and called me and told me. (laughs) And we lived there for, for, I think, eight years. And then we moved over onto the ranch. Um, Now, during that time, I started going to a conservative Baptist church in town. Um, But my studying uh, began to take a new term. I thought I I had been dwelling deeper and deeper into the biblical doctrine of, of salvation. And um, I remember back at ELM, our staff had a usual morning get-together, prayer time, and so forth. And somebody asked me how my writing was going on The Christian's New Heart. And I said, wow, I've just discovered, you know, the word heart is mentioned over a hundred times in the Bible, referring to the spiritual heart of man, his spiritual self. Mm-hmm. And... and uh, and I've been really been getting into that doctrine. And then one of the senior counselors said, Oh, Frank, you've got to be careful about getting into doctrine. And everybody kind of laughed. But I thought, well, <clears throat> you know, how can you really counsel somebody <clears throat> if you don't really answer the very basic question in everybody's life? Who am I? Mm-hmm. And the second question, uh, why am I here? And the third question, what does the future hold for me? Well, I was learning the answer to that first question, who am I? And I really delved into Paul's writings so deeply, and others throughout the Bible, of course, but mostly mm-hmm. with Paul. And says, yeah, Paul says, I'm a new creature in Christ. So I have, for the last 10 years or so, um, my walk has really been... <clears throat> one of of looking into the ontology of man, uh, his very being, the substance and nature of his being. And the Bible is very clear on it, particularly in 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 15, um, that it, uh, there's a natural man. And again, he wrote to the Christians uh, at, at, at Corinth that, hey, the natural man cannot understand spiritual things. Uh, the solical man, um, or soulish man, literally, but uh, translated natural. Um, natural man can't understand spiritual truth. Um, but um, through the Holy Spirit, the new man in Christ, um, does have the truth eliminated through the Spirit to us. It's a long story of my Christian experience, and believe me, mm. ELM played such an important part of my spiritual growth, and I'll forever be grateful to, to Lee and all the other counselors and staff there. Thank you, Frank. You mentioned being uh, an ambassador, and one way you've been an ambassador for Christ is through your books. You've alluded to them. Uh, could you just uh, list the ones that come to your mind that that you've written uh, on your own regarding uh, Christian themes? Why don't you just uh, review some of them for us? Yeah, the the first the first book I wrote was a prophecy book, and you pro- might not know this. Uh, <clears throat> I had been watching uh, Henry Kissinger uh, at the time he was Secretary of State. And I saw how he was like a magnet to women. And one day he said that, uh, hey, power 
is an aphrodisiac. <laughs> and, and the other thing, I began to look at him. He was Jewish, of course. And and uh, one Saturday morning, I was just sitting down for a few minutes before I went over to where we were building our new church. And, and I opened my Bible, and I was reading through um, a Revelation and... and uh, where um, where where he wrote that uh, Revelation thirteen uh, about the number six 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 and his name uh, will equal six 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 and I thought you know what if this is one of the criteria uh, uh, of of identifying the Antichrist then Henry Kissinger's name would total six hundred and sixty six and I thought I had been studying this man's life now for months and months, and I was getting tired of it, and I thought, well, here's the proof. If his name doesn't equal 666, then I can forget that uh, he might be a candidate for the Antichrist. Well, I sat down, and I wrote the alphabet in a column, A through Z, and next to that, I was using uh, multiples of six, like A equals six, B equals 6 plus 6, or 12, and so on. And then I wrote the name Kissinger in a column, and I started putting in the numerical values. This is all in accordance with the Jewish gematria system. And uh, and I did that, and down at the bottom, I started adding it up. In the tens column was a 6, <laughs> in the singles column was a 6, and the tens column was a 6, and and uh, my wife was in the kitchen, and I said, Ruth, uh, I'm about to discover something incredible. And she said, what is And I said, come over here. And I added the, the hundredth column, and it ordered six. His name equals 666. And I thought, well, maybe there are some other names. But, uh, but I don't have the evidence, and I've always been like this. I need evidence. I need to know the truth. I thought... Uh, there's no way uh, I could come up with with evidence that this man was the Antichrist. I I couldn't even speculate that he was. But because he met so much of the criteria, I thought, I'm going to keep an eye on him. <laughs> well, mm-hmm. anyway, um, the Christian publisher who had signed a contract with uh, hired a new, <clears throat> new president, and then they broke the contract, never published it. But I did publish published it, and I sent it out to Christian stores all over the country. And then I was, um, <clears throat> when I was with, um, let's see, this would have been in 76, so yeah, I, I was back uh, being in my consulting business and uh, doing some work with Campus Crusade. And um I was every morning I go to a restaurant, have breakfast, and I start seeing these ads and stories about this incredible new fantasy movie out called Star Wars. And then there was the Christian Booksellers Convention in a few weeks, and so I went there, and I got there on a Sunday afternoon, and I decided I think I'll get a cab and go to a theater and watch Star Wars. It's just I was just drawn to it. Well. After seeing it that night, I wrote an outline. The next day at the Christian Booksellers Convention, I went up to someone who had published two of my previous books, 
and told them what I had in mind, and we signed a contract. And so as it turned out, I ended up writing four books on motion pictures. Star Wars was the 19th bestseller uh, in its first five months of release. Uh, and then after that, it went out of publication because contrary to what the publisher told me, he did not have permission from the copyright owner to use an illustration on the cover. So I couldn't believe it. 200,000, actually 220,000 copies in five months, and then they couldn't publish it anymore, or they would be mm. sued. So from there, um, I also, um, uh, working with uh, uh, Brother Andrew, God Smuggler, are you familiar with him? Indeed, yeah. Yeah. And so um, I was with an organization called Christian Resource Management, and he was one of our clients. And uh, so he was one of the most influential people I've ever known in my life. Um, I remember uh, one day when he, uh, I was going to take him to the airport and we were putting things in the trunk of my car, and he gave me a jar of chili, uh, of uh, chili, uh, a, a bottle of honey in a plastic bottle, and it was leaking. And he said, I can't take this on the on the plane, Frank, but I'll give it to you on one condition. I said, what's that? And he says, do as I've done for years and years. Every morning, have honey for breakfast. And remember the the suffering children and pray for them. Um, mm. And then he told me how he got the honey. Um, he went to visit with a, a pastor at some place in Europe, I don't know where it was, and uh, and gave him a Bible. He didn't even have a Bible, this pastor did. Mm-hmm. And and uh, and he didn't have any money, of course, but he gave Andrew this bottle of honey. So for decades and decades, I, I put in a new char course, but I always had some some atoms in there from that European honey. Uh-huh. And and I, I still pray for him overseas. I can't eat honey anymore, but I pray well, for him. Brother Andrew's book, um, God Smuggler, is so inspiring, and and uh, the ongoing work that um, the ministry does to sensitize the church to the suffering, persecuted believers around the world is so important. Absolutely, absolutely. And now we're faced with this war in, in Eastern Europe, so, so, so much to pray about anymore. Well, anyway, it was through Andrew. Andrew was doing a um, a special, um, a TV special, and I was put in charge of overseeing that. And uh, then I went to all of our management, and Andrew and I said, you know, I don't think we should put this on uh, limited to Christian TV. And Miles dropped open, and they said, well, and they laughed. And I said, look, I said, I really want to reach people out out there uh, uh, who, who need to hear his message. And mm-hmm. so I did some studying, and I began to see what hours of the day would uh, and what days of the week would be the best time to do this. Well, we did that, and I started buying time, uh, usually on, on local TV stations, uh, um, commercial TV stations. And But I never bought them for Sunday mornings. I didn't want us to compete with uh, the church programs, but most of them were in the evenings. And it was incredible. It was incredible. 
and as as you probably know uh, organizations uh, have to run on money they have to buy things they have to pay staff and so the money started coming in i remember seeing one check for $10,000 that came in and it was incredible well um the guy who really was producing that special uh, was owned a public relations agency in uh, Hollywood, right across from Chinese uh, um, movie house. And um, he was producing this uh, special. And uh, we got together over lunch one day at the beginning of all of this to get acquainted. And uh, he let me know that he had come up with the idea for the movie The Omen, which is about the Antichrist. I said, well, that's interesting. I wrote a book on prophecy a, a while back. And so, um, anyway, that's what led to my doing the book on the omen. And mm. and and the back of the book, uh, basically, uh, it's written by him, and it's real short. And his name is Robert Munger, and he says, um, the omen is one of the biggest box office successes in the history of 20th Century Fox. When you read this book, you will know why the omen is based on truth. Uh, now, I question that. <laughs> when I organized the idea for the omen, I knew we could only give a few clues in the movie. Yet here are the complete answers. I, I wish everyone who sees the omen could read Frank Onlet's incisive book. Um, mm. I, I wrote a novel back then called The Peacemaker. And it was about a newspaper journalist uh, who was agnostic, and he met a Christian woman and fell in love with her. But the title of this uh, novel was The Peacemaker, and it was about uh, the man who became the Antichrist. Uh, a few years later, uh, my my late friend Tim LaHaye, <laughs> mm -hmm. having, I gave him a copy of the book, and then he came up with the series called the Left Behind series. <laughs> oh wow! I, I had one woman write to me, and she says uh, she just finished reading The Peacemaker, and she saw the Left Behind movie, I guess, and she says, uh, "I hope they're paying you for some of the royalty." <laughs> 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 but at any anyway, rate, Tim was a good friend of mine, and I knew his family well, and they were great people. And I think, and then um, uh, those all sold on book racks in supermarkets and drugstores and places like that. And uh, so they all did very well. And then I thought, well, I think instead of and then um the the publisher of my books, my movie books up to then, they ended up going bankrupt because they had violated other copyright laws and it was really too bad. But at the booksellers convention that year, um I started talking to some of the um to some of the um racks rack sellers is what what they were called and mm -hmm. they delivered these books distributed them to racks at all these stores and everything and i started taking verbal orders for them and i thought wow this is great so uh when i got back home uh i i started working on um a book on superman called in search of a superman and um it says, uh, I'll just look at the back here. 
Uh, In Search of a Superman, Amazing Discoveries from Inside the Movie and Beyond, Fascinating Stories of Mythical and Real Supermen, Evidence that an Ancient Superman Once Visited Earth, Startling Prophecies of This Superman's Future Return. And, of course, I tied this into the Gospel, and that's what I did in all these movie books. Those became my, my hook, if you will, to get people into Scripture. So it reminds me of that, that passage was, in First Corinthians nine, Frank, where Paul says, "I become all things to all men to win as many as possible." So I gave you wisdom <laughs> to use the popular motion pictures as a as an entrance ramp uh, to creatively present the gospel. That's fascinating. Yes. Well, that became my way to do it, and the Lord led me into it because of my experience with Disney. I started out at the studio as a publicist, and. Uh, so I got to know many of the actors, and one of them, who was the most foul-mouthed person I ever knew, knew, I had to take him down the street to NBC to be on a oh a um, uh, a movie star kind of um, uh, quiz show or something. His name was Dean Jones. He was in all the Herbie movies and those things. But boy, and I took to NBC in his dressing room. It was F this and F that, and ah, it did burn my ears, something. And then uh, later, when I spent my last year at Disneyland, we were having a, an annual gathering of theater owners uh, at uh, the studio in Burbank. And uh, I was in charge of converting the old Zorro set on the back lot into a, um, into a French uh, village set. And we had all of these uh, that people um, that had come to this to this thing, and uh, it, they were producers, they were distributors. We had about 400 people there, and uh, it, it did look like a French village. And while I was there, um, uh, Bob Yanni walked up to me and he said, "Frank," he said, uh, "Dean Jones is here tonight, and." He's he's kind of down. Um, he's going through a divorce, and and why don't you go talk to him for a while? Now, Bob Yanni was the director of entertainment at at, at Disneyland at the time, and so anything involving uh, live entertainment, we got involved with it. So anyway, I got in touch with Dean, talked to him a little bit, and uh, then I'd written a book with a man who'd been in communist prisons in Czechoslovakia for ten years back in the 50s and early 40s and uh he he was a brigadier in the in the uh, salvation army and i ended up co-writing his book with him his biography called in my enemy's camp mm-hmm. and uh so uh, and i had just finished doing getting that published and then i called dean jones one day and said dean uh, I'd like to to bring Joseph Corbell over to the studio someday. He lived uh, in the L.A. area. And uh, uh, I'd given Dean a copy of his book. And Dean says, oh, you better believe I'd like to, to meet him. So anyway, um, we went out to the studio. Dean had <laughs> had come from being such a foul-mouthed person and such a strong, strong Christian. He went to Jack... Uh, the Hayford's church up in the the valley, and his wife was a Christian, and they got so involved in Christian work and and, and doing TV shows for Brother Andrew and so forth. 
So anyway, I took uh, I, I took uh, Joseph to him, and it was a highlight of <laughs> in his life to meet Joseph Corbell, who survived those ten years in prison prison camps and was still in the Salvation Army. What a well, fascinating she, backstory, Frank, about um, uh, ministering to Dean Jones and the change in his life. Many of us recognize him from his films, and I, I know one unique uh, one-man motion picture he did um, about. Uh, John, you know, the Apostle John in exile, where he he recounts the experiences of the Apostle John uh, with uh, memories of John's experience with Jesus. It's a fascinating one-man play, one of my favorites. So thank you for telling us uh, just one of the many stories you could about some of these people God has led you to minister to. Well, uh, these people, and I, I, at at the expense of maybe being a name dropper, but I tell you, uh, uh, Dean turned out to be such an inspiration for me. He called me one day to come out to the studio, and I went out there, and it seemed uh, one of his friends was had terminal cancer. And he said, Frank, we've had two other friends with cancer, and we prayed for them both, he and his wife, and they both died. <laughs> and he said... Are we not oh. praying right, or what's going on? So anyway, mm. we went out to his dressing room trailer and and sat on the floor and held hands, and both of us prayed for this guy uh, who who did end up dying. But I told Dean, I said, uh, situations like these, Dean, uh, it's not in my hands; it's in God's hands. Uh, I know if it were in my hands, what I would want, I would want this person to live. But this is God's decision, and I honor that, and I trust him for his motivation for doing it. And uh, so, anyway, uh, it, it, Dean was a very good friend. I wrote articles for news, news, news magazines about him and Christian magazines and so forth. So him and, and uh, well, I won't go on any. We've been going on here for a long time. And well, let I me just ask really you about pers- a book that I that I'm intrigued by called Cry of the Wounded Soldier. Tell us about that novel, Frank. Well, this was shortly after uh, my wife let me know she never loved me. Thought maybe she would come to love me, but didn't. And here's a woman who was teaching women Bible studies with over 100 people in attendance, and she told me that uh, it's 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 not the kind of marriage she wants us to have. And there are things happening that um, are not honoring to the Lord, and I know he hates divorce, um, but at the same time, I think it's worse to be married someone who has really turned their back on on what God wants us to have in a marriage, and so I divorced her. I just felt I couldn't do this anymore, and, and uh, it was not honoring to God to be married to this woman. So my oldest son was away in the Navy. My youngest son had run away from home. My six-year-old daughter was living with her mother. I was unemployed. I'd lost everything. And it reminded me of those days when I was so lonely. And and uh, I didn't know who I was. Or I didn't know where to go. I was never angry at God, but I certainly questioned him. Why, Lord? Just tell me why you've allowed, allowed this to happen. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't know if I've ever had a clear answer to that, um, but that's what happened. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, then- I, I really wandered in the valley for mm-hmm. many years. Um, I was very lonesome. <clears throat> uh, 
I missed the family life I'd had and being involved in church and and all these kinds of things and and I didn't do any writing but shortly after this I thought Frank you got to get your spiritual act together uh, and I met with a guy who who gave me a book called Wounded Soldiers and I thought oh my gosh yeah th- this is so fitting for me and I read the book and it gave me the inspiration to write Cry of the Wounded Soldier. Uh, it was about a pastor who, well, you know the book. I don't have to explain it to you. Mm-hmm. And uh, I I wrote it to become a movie, as I've mentioned to you. Uh, I've done a little updating over the years, but that goes way, way, way back when. That would have been probably 1992 when I wrote that. Started writing it, and... Wrote a little bit more over the years, and and uh, you've seen the, the latest copy of it. And but, I hope uh, that uh, I hope that um, someone will have a vision for taking the novel Frank with its strong um, spiritual Christian life lessons that are tucked in there, and make it into a movie. So uh, I know that it has great movie potential. I hope that door opens in the future. Yeah. Well, I just don't even know where to go from here, and right now I've. And my hearing is still poor. I can understand you, but many people I can't understand, even with hearing aids. And But I just say, Lord, if you want this to be made in a movie, uh, then uh, I'm going to let you do it. But it's going to take other people to, to make this happen. <laughs> mm-hmm. I just don't feel that I'm up to it anymore. Right. But I would sure like to see it made in a movie before I go home. <laughs> Well, let me, as we start to wrap up, let me thank you for another series of books that I have appreciated um, about uh, um, the the Christian's new heart and the book I wrote on man as spirit, soul, and body. Uh, I have an appendix on that topic, but Frank, you've done that uh, more complete study, as you've alluded to in our conversation. And thank you so much for the graphics in it, the research, how you've you've described uh, the new heart of the believer. So that's uh, really profound teaching and as much needed. Well, I thank you and I thank God for revealing who I am in Christ, uh, telling me what my purpose is here, and I've enjoyed every minute of it, and uh, revealing to me things about the future as well. And uh, you have been a real inspiration, just in the uh, uh, acquaintance that we renewed here in the last few years, and, and I appreciate it very much. And uh, pray for you guys and in your counseling. Uh, but those those three those three questions, I wish would find their way uh, and the answers to them in ELM. Uh, who am I? Uh, why am I here? And what does the future hold for me? Uh, those mm-hmm. questions, we've got a very thick Bible that addresses those questions, <laughs> but they can God, be addressed very simply too. And I, I pray yeah, the counselors yeah. will 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 maybe broaden some things and a little more discipling, uh, because I think the discipling will provide the answers um, mm-hmm. to a lot of the questions that are going to be asked of them. Well, Scripture says God's given us everything we need for life and godliness, you know, through our saving relationship with God and Jesus Christ. And thank you, Frank, for sharing a bit of your testimony with us. Uh, fascinating journey uh, in these last eight decades. And uh, we pray that you and your brother will be encouraged of the Lord, you and your three children and extended family. 
Um, and the Lord bless and keep you, my friend. Well, thank you very much, John, and and do keep in touch. And so well, you are broadening your scope of counseling into deeper discipleship, and I really pray for you and and those at Grace uh, um, Fellowship International. All of you are doing such a wonderful job. Well, thank you for that encouragement, Frank. The Lord bless and keep you, and thank you for our time together today.